This week, our reverse text that we've been studying all week long together is two verses. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. If you'll find that on your listening sheet, we're going to read those two verses aloud together. So stand with me and let us read. This then is the text for today. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. May God bless the reading of his word. I know people, I've visited with people who struggle with Genesis chapter 2. Or in the same way they struggle with Genesis chapter 2, they struggle with Matthew chapter 1. Those two chapters in particular, there are others like them, but those two in particular describe God in a way that is incomprehensible to them. When we turn to Matthew 1, we find God. Emmanuel, God with us, an incarnate Christ, the only begotten of God, we see Jesus himself walking down the unpaved paths of the ancient world with dust between his toes. In Genesis chapter 2, there is a similar sentiment. In Genesis 2, God reaches down out of heaven And he gets his hands dirty. He forms man from the dust of the earth. He takes Eve out of Adam's rib. Some people don't like this. Let's call those people one-chapter theologians because they only care about one chapter, Genesis chapter 1. One-chapter theologians cannot picture God getting his hands dirty. They consider God incarnate oxymoronic. These one-chapter theologians, they like Genesis 1. They they just don't like anything that comes after Genesis chapter 1. You see, in Genesis 1, we we read of this otherworldly creator who by his booming voice is the inception of the tides, the laws of physics. There are those, one-chapter theologians, who can on some level grasp that. But they struggle with Genesis 2 and beyond. God, having a voice as of thunder, makes far more sense than God having dirt underneath his fingernails. Typically, one-chapter theologians, they have this conception of God that looks something like this. There is a God who was an intelligent designer of the cosmos, who wrote the code for gravity, who instituted the laws of thermodynamics. But after those initial moments of creation, God retreats to another realm to leave all of us to our own devices. For one chapter theologians, then, God becomes this distant, unknowable being who's unconcerned at all with any earthly human matters. 
And though we believe that God is resplendent, just as Genesis 1 reveals to us, we also know that God, as we find through the rest of Scripture, like in Genesis 2 or Matthew 1, there's this other aspect of God's character, that which is knowable. And to be clear, anything that we know about God and everything that we know about God has been revealed of God and by God. You see, that which we know about God and that which we can know has, has been are, are ways that God has chosen to reveal himself in all of these countless ways through time. We know God is cosmically grand, but this God who is beyond our imagination ha- has has willed this intimacy with humanity through his son, Jesus Christ, and by his Holy Spirit. You see, one of the primary truths that we have worked through as we've taken on this study of prayer, and and we see it, is that God indeed has a will. We think the Lord's Prayer we studied a few weeks ago, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In, in our text for today, which it's, it's replicated in several other texts as well, that if we ask according to His will. And I want us this morning to think of God's will first from a Genesis 2 perspective or, or a Matthew 1 point of view. God is not tucked away in a distant heaven, unconnected from creation, unconcerned about His created. God is near God has a will and a way forward for us. God has a will and a way forward for you. God, as the scripture unfolds, did not leave us alone on our own to defend for ourselves. In fact, Jesus tells us in the gospels that just the opposite is true that God's Holy Spirit in the church is constant and His Spirit is near. You are not an orphan. Your heavenly Father did not create and leave. He created and He remained. He is near to us. You know, usually when we begin to talk about God's will in these prayer texts, we begin as Garth did with unanswered prayers. But before we get to that, and we will, let us not take Emmanuel for granted. That God has a will. And what we see by the natural created order of things, God's will is primary. And not only is God's way the only way forward, God's way is the best way forward for us For you, the purposeful path that matters. You see, since the Creator then has remained, and since the Creator then has set a course, He has said, this is my will. We should be relieved and rejoicing. There should be much rejoicing among us that it's not our will, but it's His will. It's not our way, it's His way. This is the good news, that the weight of the world is not upon your shoulders this morning. It is carried by the cross of Jesus Christ. You are not left to defend for yourself. 
You do not have to decide what is best for you and yours. The plan has been written since time immemorial. God has a will, and that is the best news for us today. See, for all of us who are anxious about tomorrow, for, for all of us who are concerned about where things are going, for, for all of us who are unsure about next steps, for all of us who cannot find peace, for all of us who cannot find purpose, God has a will. And when we come to these texts, thy will be done, this is good news. A perfect will, will for us, revealed in Jesus Christ, carried out by His Spirit. God has a will, and it is the best possible outcome of your life. Now, the, the difficulty, though, is that we say that we want the best possible outcome for our lives, but rarely do we actually mean that. Rarely do we want the best possible outcome for our lives. Usually, what we mean even in the church, as we are in the flesh, usually what we mean when we say, I want the best possible outcome for my life, we are instead saying, I want the most comfortable outcome for my life, which includes some version of rotting that we have trouble picturing, our bodies wasting away without a need to try anymore. You see, there is a foolish part of our brains that tries to convince ourselves that laying around 24 hours a day in a hammock on the beach is comfortable, when in reality it is something wholly different. Ideal and the best possible outcome for your life is never rotting away no matter how beautiful the scenery is. It's not that God doesn't want you to rest. It's not that God doesn't want you to relax. It's not that God doesn't want you to find recreation. He does. That, that is a part of his plan. But what our flesh does, our flesh turns that into something destructive. And, and this, this pursuit of an all-consuming comfort. And, and this pursuit of an all-consuming comfort is most often where our will comes into conflict with God's will, where we start butting heads with our Creator, seeking an all-consuming comfort. See, one of the things that you'll notice as you begin to understand that there is a will, that there is a way forward for my, my life, You'll, you'll notice along the way your flesh wanting to deviate from that will. Sometimes out of hard-headedness, sometimes tiredness, sometimes fear. There's all kinds of reasons why, but, but we choose to go in a different direction based on a mirage of comfort. It's, it's, it's interesting um, that both Jesus and Paul pray in this way in the Scriptures pleading for a way more comfortable. Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 8, it's where we, we get a detailed account of this thorn in his flesh. Maybe it's some sort of physical disability. Maybe it's something to do with his eyes. We don't really know what it is. He doesn't definitively say what this thorn in his flesh is, but it is bothering him. He calls it an agent of Satan. 
Um, and, and maybe it was relational, maybe it was physical, maybe it was relational from all the enemies that he had made while preaching the gospel. But for whatever it was, he asked the Lord three times, will you take this away from me? Will you pull this thorn from my flesh so that I might find comfort? And three times God said no. My grace is sufficient for you. Your prayer is not granted. Jesus, similarly, in the garden that Pastor Aaron read earlier for us, he says, is there any other way other than the crucifixion? The suffering is, is just on the horizon. It is coming nearer to the Christ than it ever has. And he falls down on his face three times and says, God, is there any other way other than suffering at the cross? And God said, no. The only possible path, my will leads to the cross and the suffering must be. You see here, Christ and earlier Paul are both asking God to avoid suffering. And God very clearly says to them that what's best for them and what's best for the kingdom of God is for them to suffer in this way. It wouldn't last forever, but they would have to face the suffering that was in front of them. And none of us ever want to hear this. Nobody ever wants to hear that, that we must suffer. But so it was with them and so it is for us that all of us are going to encounter suffer, suffering on some, some measure. And in that way, God hears our prayer and is our comforter in times of deepest suffering. That he will be near to us in the cross and by the power of his Holy Spirit walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death so that we might know his purpose in this pain building a deepening relationship with him that, that makes us stronger and serves us well in the days beyond the suffering. And you know, that's one of those keys of the heavenly father that in his will, he can see it in totality that we can only see in the moment, the day of suffering and God can see for eternity beyond the suffering, the other side of it. And see, it's hard for us when, when, when it's before us or, or when we're in the middle of the pain. It's nearly impossible for us to imagine beyond the suffering, but God is. And his will paves a path beyond the suffering. As we think through this prayer series and all the things that we've studied over the summer, it's important for us to understand that prayer is one of the primary ways that we work through life's peaks and life's valleys. This, this open prayer, this line of communication that we have with our Heavenly Father, and, and it serves a multitude of purposes that we have this opportunity to be in communication with God. But, but one of those things that happens in this communication, in particular through, through suffering and difficult days, is that as we come to God in prayer, we begin to express 
what we are experiencing and we begin to express what we want. Oftentimes in our lives, it's difficult for us to express exactly what we want, especially in days of difficulty. But in prayer, it gives us an opportunity to work through those things and hold them before God and say, God, this is where my heart is. This is what I long for. This is what I desire. And, and God speaks into that. You see, and, and what, what prayer does is it gives us that, that extended moment to work through what we want and that's a good thing, but that's not an end. See, prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue, which, which then gives you the opportunity to speak to the creator of the universe. But in God's glory and in God's mercy, he responds to that heart as we pray. That once you, you speak your mind, prayer then is to listen. Now, God knows every intention of that which you wanted. And in prayer, God will take that information and, and take your words and begin to reshape it where it's necessary to be reshaped. You see, for most of us, especially early in our faith, we're too ignorant to, to know how these things that we desire will inadvertently affect our lives. But when we take the time to pray and, and pray the things that, that we desire, the, the Spirit of God will reveal to you what's good in those things. And in the same way, the Spirit of God will reveal to you what needs to change in those things. And, and God uses that time that, that we've committed to, to listening and, and praying to shape our heart's desire away from the evil intentions of the flesh into the holy ways of the Spirit. You see, often our will is in this tension with the will of God. And, and, it, and it stays in this, this, this state of tension until we listen, until prayer moves from a monologue to a dialogue, that, that un until we submit our wills to His, there's this headbutting that goes on where we fight back. And, and we can even speak all of those things, but until we listen, until we submit to Him, there remains that tension. But as we listen and as we submit, God begins to transform our will into His ways. But what we see in these passages is that God is knowable in the ways that He has revealed. His truth, His path, His way is available to us. When we listen and when we submit, It becomes this beautiful moment in our prayer life. And God will use that intentional listening to transform your life to His will the best way possible for all of us, the best way possible for you this morning, the best way possible for us as a church today.
Let us listen and let us submit to the Lord our God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. And we pray that as we come before you this morning, you would transform our heart and our wills to your way. And Lord, we, we pray for every moment and for every time that we have taken to fight back against your will, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us. Lord, we pray that we would know the freedom of your forgiveness this morning. Forgive us for, for struggling against your will. And Lord, turn us around that we might submit. Lord, we, we thank you for your work in this. And we pray this morning that, that your will and your way would be a continued revelation to us. Lord, that you would walk us towards the cross and allow us to know the work of your spirit this morning. We want to know you intimately. And Lord, we pray that you would make it so. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.